Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 8, your smart speaker, your podcast. And bring in Mike Tannenbaum into the conversation, giving the straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. So, Mike, Mike Joe Judge, just like all great coaches, will who wins, starts off with six wins and then cuts that total in half the next year and then berates the media telling everyone how, what a great coach he is. That's what all great coaches have in common. They go in the wrong direction and then they brag about how everyone else doesn't know, but they're, they're so great. Um, what do you think is going on right now in the Giants building as they decide this guy's future? Yeah, I was just talking with Key and Jay, which I think right now they're going through a process. And my biggest concern, if I own the New York Giants, is this. I don't think the December New York Giants could beat the August New York Giants. Now, obviously, <laughs> a lot of that has to do with health, the quarterback. It just seems like this team is getting worse, wow. not better. And that's the question I'm drilling down on because, to me, it's not about did the Giants win three games, six games, seven games. It's the trajectory of the program. And if you're going to keep Joe Judge, the biggest question you need to answer is what have you learned You know, the last two years and how do we know it's going to get better and look no further than right down the turnpike. Give Nick Sirianni all the credit in the world. They were just as bad as the Giants. And then the second half of the season, they rushed the ball more than any other team. Now they're going to the playoffs. They're sitting there with three first-round picks. So I want to know, hey, Coach Judge, what did you learn? What are you going to change? What do you mean? The, the team that uh, Joe Judge referred to as a clown show? You mean yeah. that, that team down the turnpike? Okay, go ahead. Well, no, in all, so, fairness to, in all fairness to the right, Giants and Joe Judge, Jalen Hurts, is better than Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is not good, and he's not available. So but, when you lose a quarterback, as you know, uh, Mike, things start to kind of – and you don't have a Gardner Minshew behind him. Mike Glennon is your backup. You ain't right. going to win no damn games with right. him. And Dave Gettleman was held accountable for the Mike Glennon decision, amongst many others, and he's no longer there. My point is this. Nick Sirianni changed and evolved. And I agree, Jalen Hurts gives you a much better chance to win. But – Fundamentally, I want to know, Joe Judge today, what's different about your approach than it was two years ago when we hired you? And if I don't like the answers, that's going to go a long way in determining whether or not he's going to be there. You know, they may mention that Tom Coughlin did this when he sat down with ownership and kind of talked through what his strategy was. How would a scenario like this go for what Joe Judge is going through with ownership? Yeah, that, that would be a big part of it. Now, here's my biggest concern. If I'm John Maris, Steve Tisch, if I'm going to make changes on the staff and keep Joe Judge, what good coach is going to come here? I would want a five-year deal if I was going to be an assistant coach coming to Joe Judge, knowing that, let's face it, guys, if he survives this, if we're sitting here in September and they start off with a three-game losing streak, it's going to be, oh, did he get fired today? Did he get fired today? Like, he is going to be on the shortest of short leashes. Likewise, but Mike, what, what about if you're a strong assistant and you're like, this dude's not even going to make it through the season, but he's not and going I'm going to be able to be an interim <laughs> coach, maybe I'll get the job. No, but he's not going to hire you. Right, yeah, right. Because he's already afraid, and Mike knows this, he's already afraid that you're a snake and you're going to come in. A's higher A's. Right the expression is A's, A's higher A's, A's and B's higher C's because That's they don't want do the competition for the job. Yep. No. Oh, Mike, it's a good point. And, and, but here, here's the other thing. You guys know this as former players. Like, if you're a player that has any options in free agency, you want to go to a place that the head coach believes in you, the GM believes in you, there's stability, I could be here for a long time. No one wants to go like, oh, I may be there for 10 minutes because then the next coach may not like me. So if I'm ownership, if I want to hang in there with Joe Judge, I'm really concerned that the marketplace is going to be like, I don't want to go there. Sounds like sounds like to me that you're, you're kind of leaning toward Joe Judge being given his pink slip 
very soon. And Key, I was really the opposite for a long time because I really thought like he had leadership going in the right direction. He was meant. I thought he could fit in this marketplace. My biggest concern, Key, is those last couple of weeks. It just got worse, and they became less competitive. And everyone's dealing with injuries. Everyone's dealing with COVID. We saw the Saints on Monday night play with Ian Book. They lost, but they played spirited. The Detroit Lions stink, but they're playing spirited football. Like that's the you part. think they? Do you think from what you're saying, Mike? Sorry to interrupt, but Joe Judge to me, he came out as this like hard guy, and he's going to run everyone down into the ground. But I thought the players you were mean playing like hard. Fake Parcells, yes, a <laughs> fake Parcells. But I, I thought the players were playing hard for him when he was a rookie coach, even though I didn't love his strategy a lot of the time, et cetera. And it seems to me, and I talk about Brian Flores, they never quit on him no matter what he gets them to play. It seems to me what you're identifying over the second half of this past season is the team quit on the coach. Like they no longer believed that he could be part of the solution. Is that accurate? Well, it could be, but here's the only thing, and Key already brought this up, which is if you're a player and you're going to the stadium and you're playing anybody, and I'm not saying that Tyler Hankey, Taylor Hankey is a great player, but you have Mike Lennon, and he was historically bad. You're going to the stadium saying you have no hope. So if you want to give Judge the benefit of the doubt, you could say our backup quarterback was so bad that no one believed it ain't just the coach, in other words. He's it's so, the whole organization. Here's how I judge backup quarterbacks. Is he going to be with the Giants next year? No. no. Because if he was any good, he'd be a lifetime backup with that particular team. They're never letting him get out the building. They're going to give Mike Glennon a ride to the airport. <laughs> so that's the facts about it. The only coach who a flight to the airport. They want to get him out of there. Backup <laughs> quarterbacks in the league, there's a premium on them. They keep them around. Yeah. So if, you're, so if he's not going to be there next year, it's not because he's getting a starting job. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And here, here's the other X factor, and you brought this up yesterday, Max, which is just like in free agency or the draft guys, you have to read the chessboard. And if you're John Mara, I'm telling you, like I've been in the room, guys, when Brian Flores gets go, let go unexpectedly, you're sitting there saying, okay, is Joe Judge better than, I'm making this up, Doug Peterson, Jim Caldwell, and no, the market. No. Now you now you add Brian Flores. He's now a free agent. And now and I'm just speculating here, but he's from Brooklyn. He 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 oh, he's right had he's had back to back winning seasons. I'm not saying that's the reason they're gonna make a decision, but I will tell you, being in the room, when things like that happen unexpectedly, it becomes part of the discussion and you compare what you have to what's out in the marketplace. We, I mentioned it earlier, hundred sixty three to twenty six they were outscored. Brian Flores' first four games as a head coach for the Dolphins, and they wound up winning five of their last nine, and they won 10 games the next year. Guys don't quit on this guy. We mentioned Bill Parcells. Um, Mike knows him very well. Let's hear from the Hall of Fame coach who joined us earlier this morning, and he asked him how he thinks things should play out for Joe Judge and the Giants going forward. Well, you know, New York is, is, is a tough place to coach. Um, for inexperienced people. You know, I grew up there. It was a little easier for me knowing the environment. But, you know, I I can't pass judgment on that. I, You know, I know when you don't win games, uh, everybody gets impatient. I mean, you see what's happened in these various cities around the country yesterday. Uh, I have no idea what's going to happen with Joe Judge. You know, the Giants are a team that I've, I've been 
interested in since I was a young boy. I've been rooting for them for 70 years. So whatever they decide to do, I'm just hopeful that that things get better eventually. Talking to the great Bill Parcells, Pro Football Hall of Fame coach and the coach of my beloved New York football giants when I was a kid. And coach, you can talk about guys like Joe Judge or whomever, and it's too early to make an evaluation, whatever. But I and and not and not I understand not everyone can be Bill Parcells. But when you showed up to a place, even if your record wasn't good in your first year, there was clear improvement the following year. Like you could see clearly the direction the team was headed. How much patience should a fan base have with a coach? Like how many years do you think it takes to evaluate him? When do you when should we want to see progress? Well, you know, fan bases don't have patience, Max. I mean, you know, fan bases are there. They deal in the, the, the immediate, the, the current. Um, but you like to see progress. And, you know, when you don't see it after two or three years, then I think it's just a natural feeling that, hey, maybe this isn't the right situation for either the coach or for the organization. So, uh, you know, I really can't pass judgment not being there. You know, I have a, like I said, a rooting interest, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing. You know, they have a little poem. I don't know whether you guys have ever heard it, but I'll recite it for you because it's very uh, applicable. And it goes like this, or the ground, the snowflakes hover, losing coaches run for cover. I never got around to winning open season now beginning. So open season was yesterday. <laughs> Coach Marcel's so funny, man. It was open season yesterday. No question about it. What, what, what are you thinking when you hear that, Mike? You know, one of the great privileges of my life is, you know, he's a friend, a mentor. We live about 30 minutes away. I, I get to see him uh, every six weeks or so, have lunch. And I just leave with, like, more wisdom every time. And it's, and I, I I would just tell you that when you get a couple minutes, everyone should Google his Hall of Fame induction speech because it's everything and what's great about our sport and our country. He talks a lot about meritocracy and being open-minded and let everybody come in and those who can help us win will get to stay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's just more wisdom from Coach. And, you know, he always talks a lot, and he knows this as much as I do, about human nature and how, you know, you'll see a coach throw somebody else overboard to keep themselves, you know, so they could survive – and in the form of, yeah, that's exactly right, Key. Uh-huh. Um, and in the formative years of his career, his first year, they were 3-12-1. and one. He thought he was going to get fired. And he made a pledge to himself that I'm going to be, I'm going to coach the way I want. I'm not going to try to be everyone's friend. And the rest is history. And he's the only coach in the history of our sport that took four different teams to the playoffs. And the reason he does that is there's expectations and they're non-wavering from day one. And I think what he's saying is in this day and age, People sometimes put excuses in front of performance. You, you, um, and Coach Parcells both coached down in or, or worked in Miami for Stephen Ross. What happened in Miami, man, with Brian Flores? I, I, he, like, like Max said, he got off to a great start in his career. He's young, seems like that they were moving in the right direction, but all of a sudden now, I smell dead fish down there. Yeah, Key. Candidly, I was surprised. We talked about this yesterday. You know, what Steve Ross said at, the, uh, at his press conference, there was 
lack of organizational alignment between him and obviously the front office. And Key, um, I was surprised, and I think when we're all done, guys, with this hiring cycle, I would think that Brian Flores will either be a head coach Agreed. or be be very close to being one. Um, and again, I've been in part of those decisions. No one thought that was going to happen, and I think it's going to change the strategy of more than one team. Now. I was going to say, Mike, you know, we were talking about Bill Purcells before, and one of the things he said during an interview, I wrote it down because I thought it was genius. He said the vision has to be the shared vision from the top down. Like there has to be alignment and how we're going after things. And that goes to the draft and personnel. And if they fit into the scheme, everybody understands the vision. It doesn't seem like the vision was a shared vision down in Miami. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And I can tell you firsthand, I lived that life for four years. People always want to know what it was like to work for Coach Barcells. I always used to say it wasn't always easy. Like, it was difficult, but it was very clear. It was clear. Keep, keep, you're sorry. laughing. Because it's like yeah. dog years. Yeah. But <laughs> I wouldn't I would change it for everything. But, Jay, well, to your point, I knew exactly what he wanted. Everybody in the building, wives, girlfriends knew, hey, if they're, if you're going to bring in a defensive player for coach, they better look this way. Like, he did not want small linebackers. Mr. T, I don't want linebackers that can get out of a Volkswagen. Like, those guys were off your board. Like, you wouldn't even bring them up. And that didn't mean we wouldn't make mistakes because, of course, we did. But it allowed a process to be implemented from pro scouting, college scouting, assistant coaches, and we were all going in the same direction. And that was really one of his many legacies is, like, the t- not to get too much into the detail, but, like, if you had Jeff Ireland on the show or Scott Pioli, myself, like, there's a language we would all speak because we all knew the type of players he wanted and how they had a look. Um, you you – you were on this just in 2 p.m. Eastern ESPN yesterday with great me. show, right? great show, handsome host. Now, and you, you, <laughs> I, I'm, I sometimes like I, I'm reading between the lines of what you're what you're saying, Mike. There are some people people can relate to this. If you believe in yourself in the job you can do, and you feel like you have prospects, like this is not the only job you'll have, and those two things are often related, right? Sometimes you can go into your boss and say, "Look, I, this is what I need: X, Y, and Z." And if they, all, if they come back at you and say, well, I'll give you X or X and Y, you, you've already made up your mind. No, I want X, Y, and Z, or I'm going to leave. Is it possible that that's what we're looking at with the Flores situation? Yeah, again, I, I'm not – possibly, yeah. I wasn't in the room. I don't know for sure. But for if you're Brian Flores, it's logical to say, like, well, I know those other candidates out there. I got a good track record. I just swept New England. We finished 9-8. and eight. And we're going the right direction here. And if it's not good enough for here, for whatever reason, I'm very confident in the foundation. So that's certainly a possibility. Yeah, you 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 got to think though that <clears throat> things were not aligned with him and Chris Greer, the general manager, for whatever reasons. But at the same time, like Mike is saying, when I know and I'm betting on myself, and I know that I'm a hell of a coach and I can get things done, even if I had to sit on the sideline for a year. I know I'm getting back into it. I know it because one thing that the people in those 32 teams, they understand and they know there's always a rift in the front office. There's always rift in the front office. When you are a good team, somebody wants to credit. Somebody wants to credit. When you're a bad team, nobody, nobody wants, wants to credit what at are, all. What, what, <laughs> one of the signs we had in our draft room was success has many fathers and failure is an orphan. Like when we drafted Darrell Rivas, everybody wanted it. And yeah, I even told you to draft yeah, him. Yeah, exactly, yeah, so exactly. <laughs> and then when we had a first-round pick, like a Vernon Golson. That I didn't work. tell you to draft him. Tana, Bob, what are you, why, 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 why did you do that? Yeah, what, what did you yeah. do, Mike? 
What I'm hearing is Brian Flores knows what he can do. So whether or not he has something lined up, it doesn't matter. He knows even if he had to sit out for a year, his future is bright. Um, I want to move on to what the Dolphins do now, right? Because Stephen Ross had this to say about Jim Harbaugh and the possibility of him coaching the Mar- the, the Marlins, the the uh, the the. Uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, Who am I thinking of? Miami Dolphins. 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 They're some kind of fish. The Dolphins, or (laughs) mammal in this case. But they live in the ocean. The Dolphins. Go ahead, listen. I love Jim Harbaugh. Uh, Had the opportunity once before to come to to the uh, Miami Dolphins. Uh, But uh, he's at the University of Michigan, as everybody really knows. And I guess that's really one of my really – that is my school I graduated from, and I'm very involved in it. And I'm not going to be the person who takes Jim Harbaugh to the University of Michigan. Mike, I hope he stays there. He's a great coach. Mike Key was like, look, if you're one of the people funding <laughs> you know, this guy's salary, uh, you're not going to take him off your college team to give him to your pro team. But, you know, on the other hand, if you believe he's a great coach, if you're one of the reasons he's where he is, then – then what is the fan base supposed to think in Miami when you're like, wait a minute, we're not getting the best option because the best option goes to your the school, your alma mater? Does that, you know you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I think, I know, Steve, you got to take him at face value. If he said that they're not going to hire Jim Harbaugh, they're not going to hire him. No, I'm an owner. If I, if, if I own a team in the National Football League, if Pete Carroll was at USC, I'm not going to USC. To, I'm just going to go find me another Pete Carroll. Right, in other words, there's more than one great coach out there. And yeah, you but can, I can't, you can, I'm the guy, Max, think about it. Stephen Ross is the guy writing the checks at the mm-hmm. university. This is not a form system. I'm not <laughs> going to raise my coaches at Michigan and then bring them to coach my team. Right. Just, yeah, you can't do that. Yeah, I just, it would bother me if I was a, 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 a Dolphins fan to, and I'd be like, wait a minute. Okay, maybe this isn't the case because he's not clearly head and shoulders the best coach in the world, but. If that were the case, or if the owner felt that were the case, I'd be kind of mad. Like, why is your college team get but get I'm not preference over a me? CEO from one that my businesses that I own because he's already there. Business that I own, like, because he's already there. I'm not yeah. robbing Peter to pay Paul from him. Like, but if you're Paul, you own, you're like, damn, and I you want own my money. both Peter and Paul. That's yeah, the thing. You right. own both. And, and pro football, pro sports in general is different than college. Right. You want to know why? Because you are coming anyway. Even if you hate my guts, you're going to support the team. You're going to be there. Even if you – I'm still going to fill my stadium regardless. If we're putting a winning product on the field, you're going to come. Right. Right. And sometimes even if you don't put a winning product on you're the field, still depending come. on the fan base. So why not have both, right? Makes sense not. to me. I, I, I mean, if also if you're hardball, though, if you're hardball, you might be looking like – Chicago. Are you, yeah, are, but are you going to – if you're hardball, you just beat Ohio State – it may not get any better than this. Maybe you leave now and go to the pros. And then the question is, which franchise do you want? <sighs> Steven Ross might be like, if he's going to leave anyway, go to the, go to the Dolphins. I, I like the Chicago move, but the Raiders, man, the style, hardball, you, don't, you got a quarterback that you don't have to ask him to do a whole lot, but if he you know needed to, is. he could. You got Jacobs in the running game. You got big, strong offensive lineman that's developing. And I get a chance possibly to run the whole organization because you just did it with the other guy. You just did it with John Gruden. But isn't the inverse of that what Max just alluded to with Brian Flores, which is 
Jim could sit down with Steve Ross, the Michigan donor, and says, hey, I want to stay here. I just be at Ohio State. I want A, B, and C, whatever it is. Like, they already have great facilities. Like, he's really a king at Michigan. Why not just do that for the next 10 years and have an incredible legacy? Because I don't want to coach it. I don't want to coach college football anymore. I got to show everybody I can do it in the pros. Mr. Ross, let me tell you something. If you don't give me everything I want here at Michigan, I'll go to the Dolphins. Don't think I won't. And all I'll say about that is just to, the one thing I hear from college coaches a lot in – College recruit. football, the recruiting aspect recruit. is exhausting. Especially now. It's always about who's the next kid. Are we doing it virtual? Are we doing it Zoom? Who's Cousin Eddie? Cousin how much Eddie. Does that Cousin Eddie want? Like, how's it? NIL. <laughs> NIL. No, I, I understand that. And, look, he did a great job in San Francisco, brought them to a Super Bowl, and I, I think he would be really good in the pros. I'm just saying, though, like, you played at Michigan – Bo Schembechler was your hero. You have a mm. chance to have a legacy unlike any place else if you stay there. Keyshawn, J. Will and Max is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your car, home, motorcycle, commercial, auto, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Mike will rejoin us at 9.30 a.m. this morning to rank his NFL coaching openings. But coming up, someone who played for both Kirby Smart and Nick Saban. So, how close is Smart's Bulldogs to a dynasty of their own? Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Intercepted at the 21-yard line. And Keely Ringo bringing it back across midfield, across the 30, inside the 20. Ringo scores! That is a fitting ending. Nolan Smith, the sack. Georgia has won the national championship. How about this university? How about these fans? This is a special moment for the University of Georgia, special moment for this team. Keyshawn J. Willemax, presented by Progressive Insurance, all guests on the Goodyear Hotline. Marlon Humphrey, Ravens star corner, former Alabama cornerback, joins us now and uh, What's on up, the Goodyear Marlon? Hotline. What's going on, man? How we doing? We're doing all right. I was worried about you. You know, we talked yesterday, and you were like, yo, I'm worried about my squad beating this Georgia team two times, that it was going to be tough. What did you see last night that obviously gave Georgia the victory? Well, you know, I just think, you know, I think when you just look at the history of, uh, you know, good teams, it's always been, you know, hard to beat a good team twice. And, um, you know, Kirby being one of Saban's, you know, former, former coaches, uh, I just felt, after um, being on the D.C. with them, that he was one of those coaches that, if anyone was very much so built in a life like Saban, I felt he was the one. When you look at last night, 
they clearly dominated Alabama in the fourth quarter. What happened? Did did Alabama just all of a sudden did did national championship fatigue set in? Uh, I just think, and I, I think uh, a little bit of frustration grew there. I mean, I, I felt like they kept getting down to the red zone time and time again, and you know they just couldn't capitalize. And I think you know that that just that shows a lot of the resiliency you know Georgia's defense was showing. And uh, I think over a while, you know, that momentum builds up because if you can hold Bama, get them down there and hold them to a field goal, that's definitely a win. When you mentioned, Marlon, that 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 Kirby would be the one of all Saban's assistants, he's like has certain things in common. Could you go into that a little bit more? So um, I just, you know, I, being a, a former player under, under Kirby as a D.C., you know, they have just such similar tendencies, um, you know, how they're, how they're able to you know, not panic under pressure. You know, I talked with Kirby on the field their pregame, and you, you would have never thought he's about to coach for a national championship the, the way he was acting. He was just acting chill and, hey, how's it going? I, the same way, you know, Saban would act, you know, uh, uh, talking with his former players. And, you know, I think, you know, the, the energy he brings and the way he's able to poise his players, um, I, I think that that's the kind of thing that separates, you know, Saban. He's able to just – Stay calm when everybody else is, is you no know, in, in a frantic. So, I just I felt that I, I had talked with a lot of people and, and I said the same thing, man. I said, man, I, I just it's easy to beat a team that's supposed to be good twice, but it's really hard to beat a team that is actually good two times. Um, Marlon, having said that, do you think that Kirby has what it takes? And I mean, and, and I know that he is a good coach, good defensive coordinator, been to the national championship twice but does he have what it takes to build this sort of kind of like Alabama dynasty now that he's gotten the first one I think you know as I think Kirby's a great coach but it gets really 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 hard when you win that first one um you know there there's been you've seen Clemson come to the top you know stay around there for about you know win two championships and now they're you know kind of fall off, you know, you see all these teams in the past that have gotten there, stayed relevant for about two or three years and fell off. I think the hardest has really just become um, for, for Georgia and Kirby. Um, it, it just takes the, uh, such a high level of just moving on to the, to the next thing to be able to consecutively, you know, win championships and keeping, you know, 18, 20-year-olds all poised and not thinking about last year's championships and thinking about, you know, the next one. So, I think that that uh that's yet to be seen, but um man, um it, I know it's special for him to to win that first one and um for that uh for that school. Ravens cornerback and 2019 All Pro Marlon Humphrey joining us here on Keyshawn J Will and Max. Mh, I, I got to ask you about your Ravens squad, man. It, it's been a a challenging year, even though they have stepped up in so many different ways. You guys missed the playoffs. Uh, what did you guys learn about your team this this season through battling through all the adversity? Man, so many injuries. Um, I know you can never put anything, you know, blame it on injuries, but man, we just couldn't couldn't get, you know, the injury bug away. But I think one thing that I realized was man, we just continued to fight and whoever was out there, you know, we, we kinda went about it and just, just kept playing. I think um as I was kinda doing season reflections, I was just thinking to myself, man, I think Har Harbaugh, Coach Harbaugh just did a great job of just keeping us, you know, kind of poised, keeping us together. Um, I know for, for him, you know, 
going through all those injuries, he was probably, you know, internally just all over the place. But he never showed it to the guys, you know, and I think that was able to keep us poised. And, you know, at one point he was the number one team in the AFC and uh, it was looking really promising. And then, you know, that, that injury toll ended up did just taking over us and uh, COVID too. But, man, I was really proud of the guys. Um, you know, Snoop, you know, stepping up for Lamar at times, you know, different guys stepping up for me. It was it was truly resilient, you know, season we put together. Um, hey, we couldn't make it into the playoffs, but definitely proud of the guys. Marlon, tell me how, how special is it to see a guy like Lamar Jackson up and close on a day-to-day basis, and how important is he to the franchise moving forward? Man, Lamar, you just you can't say enough about him. Um, you know, he's truly just a guy that, you know, really, you know, was doubted coming in and just stepped up to it. And he's just such a humble guy. Um, I think from the from the day he stepped in the building, uh, a lot of guys you know, just had major faith in him. One of, one of my teammates, Anthony V, he told, uh, he told me, and he actually told Lamar, man, you're going to be like the next LeBron James when he was a rookie. And I'm like, man, even then, I was, that was high hopes. And I was like, LeBron James? But, man, he, he's really, you know, come pretty close to, you know, be, being that LeBron James of football. And um, it's just special to be around him. I tell people often, one of the most talented guys I've, I've been around, um, just, just off the rare talent that he, that he has and, I think that the best thing about him is just how humble he is. Um, you know, whether you ask him for, for whatever, um, to, to come to your charity event, hey, could you do this? Man, he's always smiling, always having a good time. So uh, I really respect a, a superstar like that that just comes really humble. Marlon Humphrey, Ravens, two-time Pro Bowl and also all-pro corner, former Alabama cornerback. Get healthy, Marlon. Look forward to watching you play next year. All right, Marlon. All right, thank you guys, man. Appreciate the time. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max podcast. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests on the Goodyear hotline. So, guys, Bruce Arians was asked if his quarterback, Tom Brady, deserves the MVP after the season he had at age 44. And shockingly, he was like, no, Brady's a bump. No. Uh, what do you think Bruce Arians said? This is what he said. I think if, if he doesn't get it, it's a travesty. 
I mean, most completions ever, 5,000 yards, touchdowns, the whole, the whole nine yards. I mean, I mean, to me, it's not even a, it's not even a close race. I mean, I got no problem with that. He's riding for his guy. No doubt, but it's not a close race. Like, sometimes someone seems less credible. Like, don't make it so obvious you're in the bag for your guy. Why not? You, because then, everyone t- then everyone's like, all right, he's not being serious. But of course I don't care. it's close. I don't, I, but I don't care what you have to say. I'm, I'm telling you my honest, filtered opinion because I, I have the guy with me every single day. I see how special the talent is. Yeah, it's close. And then he's supposed to fight for Tom Brady, but I, I, I just think that outside of the first game of the year, Aaron Rodgers have overcome a lot in terms of, and I don't want to call it adversity, but in terms of the stuff, whatever we want to make the stuff be. Even though that was self-inflicted. What? What? Yeah, it's self-inflicted, but it still became stuff. It I understand. still became Jay Will pouncing on top of Aaron Rodgers, Keyshawn gutting Aaron Rodgers, Max Kellerman kicking Aaron Rodgers, and he still was able to overcome all of that, even to the point where even local media that covered the team has been throwing darts at him, and he's still able to overcome all that and help his team win games, even though it's self-inflicted. Because that you know how it is, Jay, when the pressure and stress starts to come on to you, pressure can burst the pipe. Oh, no, I understand. And he didn't fold at all under this pressure that he put on himself. I was just telling Max, I, I don't need Bruce Arians to be objective when it comes to who the MVP is going yeah, to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not looking at him for like, oh, he here's a middle-down-the-road take about who's going <laughs> to win. Like, that is his dude. Let they just find won an a unbiased, Super Bowl together. Let me find an unbiased opinion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but here's just, the thing, by the way. That's BA, though. He that's knows, what I'm saying. That's, that's why he is. Let's talk about the actual MVP, because I believe Rodgers, in spite of the fact that he won ready to play in the beginning of the season and they lost that game, and then he missed a game for COVID on vaccinated, lied to the press, everything, but missed a game for COVID. That's two games. And Brady didn't miss and Brady didn't miss any games, right? In spite of that, I still think Aaron Rodgers... We didn't take up for Antonio Brown. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I still think Aaron Rodgers has a... Sl- and by the way, speaking of Antonio Brown, Brady also has more weapons. But I still think Aaron Rodgers has a slight edge over Brady. Slight edge. Just to, to give you guys some stats... Who's you know number the, one seed? You know Max. what the QBR is for these two guys? Neck and neck. They're number one and two in the yeah, league, neck right? And neck. How far off? By sixty-eight point six. eight is Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, sixty-eight point five is Tom Brady. I was about to say like point oh. three or something like and, that. But you know what? I think Brady, considering he didn't miss any games, has a pretty good case. Now, look, I would give if I voted, I'd vote for Rodgers. But if you voted for Brady, I'd be like, yeah, it's legit. Let me ask you this though, right? You just said something. You yeah. said Brady has better weapons. Yeah. Does he? Yeah. Because he has more of them. See, I, I don't, but that doesn't. Valdez, Scantling, and these guys, they're fine. But, like, Brady's third best receiver might be Mike Evans. <laughs> but but based on, I, I, I guess I'd look at it from a football standpoint more so than I do from a statistical fan base standpoint. I just look at it. I don't care about the accolades about and ballers. Pro Bowl. And what about ballers? Like, when you think about a healthy Randall Cobb and you talk about Devontae Adams and Lazar and what they do with St. Brown and all of a sudden there's Imani Rogers there and Aaron Jones in the backfield. I look yeah. at it, I'm like, they got a lot. What, 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 if you, you know, if, those are interchangeable pieces. Okay, wait, if you had to pick what receiving core would you take? 
If I had to pick everybody being healthy for Tampa Bay, what including the tight ends, I didn't even think about it. And I love Devontae Adams, but I'm taking I'm taking the Bucks. Hold on, for most of the season, A. B. Godwin, Evans, Gronk, Gronk, Brait. But forget yeah, about a little I, I speedster would, like would, Scotty Miller. He even he's not even playing yeah. as much he anymore. Played? No, a little no, bit. Uh, recently, a little bit. I would, barely. I would probably most likely take the Bucks. Yeah, yeah, most so, likely. Yeah. So this is OJ what Brady. Howard, yeah, yeah. this is what Brady's leading there. the league in, and Arians touched on a few of these. But just as remarkable, and for, yeah, you know, age doesn't factor into MVP. I get it, but just by the way, he's forty-four. No one's ever been over 41 and been any good, and he's 44. He just led the league in the first ever 17-game season at age 44, having played 20 years, coming off a Super Bowl win his seventh. He led the league in completions, attempts, yards, touchdowns, and yards per game. Wow. I mean, what? Let's credit and miss a game. 44 years old. It's so like, so like, I hear Arians, but you can't pretend it's not close. Either if, if you like Brady or Rodgers, it comes down to those two, and you could give it to either guy. Yeah, but it, it but who, I'm the who, coach, though, so it's yeah, my of guy. Course you I'm, yeah. I'm going to step out front and try to influence the voters. I don't even know when do they vote. Yeah, it's a good question. Hey, Evan, when's the vote? You're the expert. Who, me? Yes. Man, I don't pay attention to, to when the, exactly they vote. Evan so, would know because his dad probably votes. No, my dad does not vote. <laughs> The AP <laughs> runs the voting, but nobody from the AP votes. It's really weird. Uh, the voting is now. So, like, everybody's ballot, I believe, is due uh, by today or tomorrow. Uh, and then and then it's counted, and then it's obviously handed off to the NFL. And then we'll find out at the NFL Honors the yeah. Saturday night before the Super Bowl. Yeah, see, I didn't know if they yeah. – I didn't know if they – yeah, I didn't know when they voted exactly. The see, day the AP running stuff. it, but they don't vote. That's exactly the way to do it because you act as well, a clearinghouse. You don't – you so it's, it's 50 different broadcasters and writers, writers from around the country who vote. So, you know, um, you know, guys like, you know, Chris Collinsworth, Berman, Chris Berman votes. Um, I believe Chris Mortensen votes. Guys like that. Mort votes, yeah. But by the way, uh, you're going to either give it to Brady or Rodgers. Rodgers or Brady. I'm a, I'm a C factor in the fact that Green Bay has the top seed in the NFC. I do. Uh, I think I that do. factors into it. And also, way, an right? eyeball we, test, Rodgers also does stuff that yeah, Brady it just, yeah. it just looks different it looks, on top different. of it. 1, yeah. It looks different, and that's the same argument, and not argument, same conversation I have about the skill position players. It just looks different. Yep. Doesn't mean that Valdez, Scant, and, and Lazar and those dudes can't go. It just it looks different. You know, yeah, the but the Bucks about, receiving core looks different, but they're also better. I, I was asked. You know that, Jay? What, the Bucks receiving? You, you just gave it to him, Keith. I gave it to him. But I'm just like, it, it's a system, it's a situation. Like, if I gave Brady those guys in Tampa, he would still be able to do the same thing. But things. if you t- sent them to a third team, I think Mike Evans is a number one receiver. Godwin is a number one receiver. A.B. is a number one receiver. That's three legit well, don't number play one. For the okay, but, <laughs> but I'm saying, when, they're on, when A.B. was on the Neither field, you had three legit number one receivers in the same receiving core. Like, that's nuts. I agree. You know, one thing that Brady does, maybe better than Rodgers, maybe the best of all time, because I was asked, someone asked me this not long ago, like, name one thing Brady does the best, right? The most important thing a quarterback can do, as long as his arm is strong and accurate enough, is make good decisions fast. Brady makes the best decisions the fastest, right? That's really why he's Brady. 
Who makes better decisions faster than yeah, Brady? Aaron Rodgers Aaron makes Rodgers some hell of decisions. Man. No doubt, <laughs> but Brady fast. doesn't have Rodgers' arm or feet. So for him to be even competing with Rodgers, he's got to be doing something. Yeah, but it's not about the feet and the arm. It's the head. That's what I'm saying. That's the decision. No doubt. That's and, what I'm saying. And, and the, the thing is, is processing. When Aaron Rodgers is processing it, he's seeing it clean, and he's able to take his time if need be because he has the arm to be able to do that. Oh, I see what you're saying. So he it plays into his skill set. But what I'm saying about it's Brady like is Mac Jones, right? Yeah. Mac Jones makes the quarterback decisions. He's quarterback friendly. But he ain't got the talent Aaron Rodgers or damn so, Tom Brady. So got. so think about this. If Brady is competing with Rodgers, if they're similar in terms of their how great they are and Rodgers has more physical gifts, that means Brady his brain's got to be going even faster. Who or how you, could he be as good as Rodgers? Who do you like more as a person? Like, as a person? Brady. Okay. From recent, from recent stuff I've seen from Rodgers. So you're not, you Aaron, for, you're not voting for Aaron Rodgers? You're saying Aaron Rodgers is no, a bad guy? No, I am guy? voting for Rodgers. Are you saying he's a bad guy? I didn't no, say not, that. I'm not saying that. <laughs> I, my vote will go to Rodgers. Well, barely. Some people, argue, some people who are voters called him a bad guy. I couldn't argue with someone who gave it to Brady. That's all. Could the Eagles, uh, well, no, actually, Kirby Smart finally won a national championship. He'll tell you why there's a big gap between Smart and Saban. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio.